To me, it's what we grew up with, it's what we know. Um, we've actually never really experimented on the deep dish side, so tavern style thin is what we've always done and it's what's, what's been good to us. So. Keeping the family business alive and well into its seventh decade is no accident. Home Run Inn has become one of the most successful frozen pizzas in America, now available in some 40 states, but the origin story begins on Chicago's southwest side in a working-class neighborhood in the Gratani family home. First a tavern, then later a pizzeria that has remained a local icon, now with nine locations in the region. The story behind one of Chicago's first tavern-style pizzas straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome again to the show, everybody. Great to have you along with us. Um, I'm back from a massive pizza excursion in San Francisco last week. Um, hit about uh, six or seven places in a couple of days, and those shows are going to start rolling out in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to space them out, obviously, but really eye-opening trip to the West Coast. I, you know, I knew that there was a scene there. Of course, Tony Gemignani's kind of the he's the godfather. Uh, but man, I had no idea there were so many styles out there. Detroit and artisan and New York style artisan and uh, just on and on. So really excited about uh, the San Francisco material coming out soon. But we are we are focusing on Chicago today, um, my town. And uh, you know, every now and then we do we do do shows in Chicago, of course. Um, I've got a great artisan coming up in a couple of weeks. But uh, today we're talking tavern style, and this is as I tell people on our tours. You know, Chicago has three styles of pizza. There's deep from 43, there's stuffed from 71, and then there's tavern style, thin crust, square cut from really the 1920s and 30s. That's kind of the OG pizza in Chicago. Most people don't realize it from outside Chicago, but most locals will tell you on any given week, um, on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, they're eating thin square cut pizza. Yet, uh, despite uh, what New York media says about our deep dish obsession, uh, that is really focused kind of in the River North, downtown Michigan Avenue area. So when we're talking about tavern style in Chicago, I really want to talk about the OGs. You know, there's, there's Vito and Nick's on the southwest side. They're approaching 100, which is remarkable. And then there's Home Run Inn. Now, you may have seen this pizza in your frozen food section. They're in about 40 states. Um, my colleague and friend Arthur Bovino uh, has written about this for the Daily Meal and for his own site, um, The Pizza Cowboy. And he's talked about, and I think he really likes the Home Run Inn Frozen, actually. I've seen some of his comments online. Um, I have never had the Frozen from Home Run Inn. I'm not a big fan of Frozen pizza. Um, I just, I'd rather go out and, and eat it uh, from the restaurant. But um, this restaurant, it really started as a tavern. And when you're talking about tavern style, I think, in my mind at least, this is one of the places I think of as as the origins of, of tavern style. Because you would stop in this working class neighborhood on the southwest side on your way home from work or from the factory. And they would, you would have a beer and they'd, they'd make these little thin pizzas. I'll tell the story in the show today. But um, you essentially have pizza that can fit in a cocktail napkin and that's kind of the origin of tavern style 
in the Midwest. So this is really, it's a fourth generation story. Um, we're talking to Dan Costello today, who's the, the president and CEO, but his great-grandfather and great-grandmother, Mary, started this. Uh, his grandfather passed away, so really Mary was running this business in the 30s and 40s as a tavern. And then her son-in-law, Nick Perino, came back from the war and started doing pizza there in 1947. So, you know, we're talking, what, 73 years ago, <laughs> which is incredible. So um, I met up with Dan at the Mothership, which has recently been restored and renovated. They, they got rid of the old house, actually. It was operating out of a house for a long time. They got rid of the house. They built this beautiful brand-new building on the site um, on 31st Street. And we begin the show as we begin all shows, asking him about his first pizza memory. What I remember is the middle square of our cheese pizza in the back of my grandma and grandpa's house here. I, I don't know when, I just remember it was the middle square, it was always the best square. And so this pizza, this would you call this a Chicago Thin, a tavern-style pizza? This, this is your pizza, it's sort of the pizza cognition theory. This is the one you grew up eating, therefore it is the best pizza in your mind. I mean, yeah, this is what I grew up with for sure, and I would say it's that Chicago thin tavern style. Um, that's what we were. I mean, we grew up, I mean, this business was a tavern when it opened, so. So let's talk about that. So 1920s, I think, 23? Yeah, the business opened in t 1927 as a bar, as a tavern. Pizza was introduced in 1947 when my grandfather got back from the war. Now, wait a second. Prohibition, wasn't going, Prohibition going on in the 20s? Well, I think that, yeah, but, yeah, exactly. It was a sandwich shop that... Maybe had something maybe extra? had some... Prescriptions? Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Um, and actually, the, the fascinating thing, which we never talk about, it was a woman-owned business. So my great-grandfather had passed away, and it was my great-grandmother, Mary, that actually ran it. So she was running a business in the 20s. Um, they ran it, obviously, all the way through the 30s and in the 40s, and uh, making sandwiches and tavern. And, and then when my grandfather got out of the war, he came in, and that they kind of... Uh, stumbled on pizza together. Like a lot of places in Chicago in the 30s, I think like Vito and Nick's probably, uh, some places like or a tavern where, and this is the story that I've always heard and been telling people around the country, bartenders realize they get you to buy more beer. If they give you something salty to eat, they'd make these little makeshift thin pizzas They in their tiny little ovens. They'd pass, they cut them into squares, pass them around the bar for free, give you something salty to eat, therefore you'd buy more beers. Was that kind of your understanding? That's exactly my understanding because when we started making pizza, we didn't sell it. They, made, they started making pizza to give it away. They loaded it with salt. <laughs> and that would be one thing that when people ask, like, what's changed in our pizza? Well, when we became a frozen pizza and you start putting your label out there and you start learning what, what the sodium content, that, would, that was, has been an adjustment over time for us. But the reason it was always so salty was exactly what you described, is the pizza started. We didn't sell it. We weren't a pizza place. They made it. My grandfather came across it. You know, he's from Italy, southern Italy, and brought it back with him, uh, his version of it, which became Chicago tavern-style thin-crust pizza. But it, they would cut up small. That's why everyone has, like, I know people from the East Coast, like, why did you guys cut it? My, our experience was we cut it small because it fit on a cocktail napkin, and it was sampling. It was like popcorn instead of popcorn. It was, they would do it like a little hot meal. No pizza until 47. Okay, and so this was a, just a thin pizza, uh, pretty basic tomato sauce, uh, a thin crust. Were they doing bulk sausage back then? Were they doing pepperoni, do you know? Well, he, he, so everything he knew from growing up, so he ground his own pork, 
had his own spice blend, so he made his own sausage, and the way he handled the dough is very consistent. From my understanding, is still, still how they do some of this in Bari, Italy, in the south, um, from wrapping it in tablecloths and proofing it for 24 hours and, and getting the rise and knocking it down and rising it a second time. So that all the, the way we did things was all because that's the way it was done where he had you know, grown up and experienced it. So his two primary things were was the dough and the sausage. And what was Grandpa's name? Nick. Okay. Last name? Nick Perino. Nick Perino. Okay. So and I also heard a story. Uh, so the grandparents had, had a bar here, had a tavern, and there's a park across the street, which is still there. Uh, somebody hits a home run, a ball comes through the window here, and then thus the name of the place is born? So that part of the story goes back to the 20s, when it was when my great-grandfather, Vincent, was still alive, Mary, so Vincent and Mary Gratani, um, which is my grandmother's parents that started the bar, they were obviously first-generation Italian. Vincent did not speak English. Ball comes through the front window, he says home run, but it was probably a foul ball based on the direction that the fields faced. But he, all, his limited English was he said the word home run. So that, that's the story we were always told from our grandparents. That's how the place got its name, even though we're not quite confident that it was a, that it was a dinger. My grandfather would tell us a story when we were kids. Like, people thought his last name was Pizza. They didn't even know what pizza was. So they thought his name was Nick Pizza. And he was telling this story. So I remember this in the late, you know, when I was probably seven, like late 70s. He would say, yeah, people think my name is Pizza, you know. Uh, and this goes back to when he was, would describe the 50s and 60s to us. And a lot of people from the neighborhoods would go downtown for a special pizza because Uno's started in 43. Dewey's came 55. But you know, Deep Dish was this weird... Yeah thing, this attraction you'd go downtown for, kind of like Navy Pier is today. I would agree. Yeah, and we're, we're a neighborhood tavern-style thin crust pizza in Chicago. So people ask me that all the time. And I think, I don't know if you know this, but I, my impression is there's a lot of tavern-style Chicago pizzas made every day. Oh, yeah. Deep Dish is, is, uh, is, a, is a different beast. It's just an interesting, unique product that's got a, a little different niche to it. Well, something that was born here, like, yeah. like stuff, and so I say it is a Chicago, one of Chicago's yeah. styles, yeah. but Chicago's possessive style is this tavern style, this square-cut, thin crust, because as I did the research for the book, you go to 185 places for research, you know, majority of them do Chicago thin, or, yeah. or tavern style, as we call it. Although, people from the Midwest are going to argue and say, hey, we were doing it in Milwaukee, we were doing it in Michigan, you know, at the same time. It's a very Midwestern thing, too, I think. I would, I would understand that. That would make a lot of sense to me. It's what we grew up with. It's what we know. We've actually never really experimented on the deep dish size, so tavern style thin is what we've always done, and it's what's, what's been good to us. So. There's never been that itch like, oh, we should try. Like, like Pat's, for example, does a, maybe 10% of their business. They do deep dish, and it's mainly when Cardinals fans come to see Cubs games because they all want to have some deep dish, and it's kind of near the park. Sure. But no, no one's ever pressured you to, like, come on, do a deep dish, too. Oh, no, we, we've always we felt the pressure. But we haven't done it on our restaurants. We actually launched it on our frozen side. It was a really good product, but it didn't sell. It's not what Home Run In, you know, it just didn't sell well enough. And it was hard to make, too. That was part of it. But it was a, it was a great product. We got good feedback on it, but we just, it didn't gain traction for us. You've been doing this now. This is like your fourth generation, yeah? Yeah. So it's got to be it's a little frustrating for me as a Chicagoan of 26 years to consistently have to tell people from out of Chicago, out of town, 
hey, we're not a deep dish culture. Yes, we have deep dish pizza. Yes, Lou Malnati's, God bless them. But for the most part, if you're from Chicago, from one of the neighborhoods, you eat thin crust pizza. This is what you've been having your entire life. I don't know if I would say it's a frustration, but it's certainly a head scratcher in terms of when people come. I mean, I think what Uno's did, they started it. I think, um, and I think Malnati's uh, have obviously, I think, taken it over, like that, the nature of deep dish in the city. When you think of deep dish, you think of them. Um, it's almost like who has a better marketing department or who, who convinces the New York, New York City-based media when they come to Chicago where to go eat? It's a, yeah, it's a very interesting. Like people come to Chicago, they want deep dish. But at the end of the day, I tell people, I'm like, I don't have a real number on this, but I, I bet there's 100 thin crust tavern-style pizzas sold for every deep dish pizza or maybe larger number yeah. than that. Just yeah. because everybody who's, every, even the deep dish guys have to have a, a tavern-style thin on their menu where the tavern-style thin guys don't have to have deep dish on their menu. So... Okay, so you grew up in this family, in this business. There was never any question for you? You are always going to be in pizza? No, I, I wasn't. I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was enrolled in law school, actually, um, when I got out of college. And my uncle Joe, who's so Nick Perino's son, Joe, my uncle, was the president of the company and CEO prior to me. And he was growing the business. And so I got out of college in 94. He had opened up my first USA facility in 1987. So he was experiencing tremendous growth on the frozen side of our business and he needed help on the restaurants and he just I, I remember coming um I my plan was to go to you know take the summer off work at the business go back to law school he's like look I could really use help right now he's like we got a great thing going he's like why don't you stay with it for a little bit longer and he goes you can always work for a year or two and if you want to leave then and go back to school then do it but he goes I could really use some help and I think it's a great opportunity so he was a very um inspirational guy in my life. So I was like, okay, great. Joe, Joe wants me to do this. He wants some help. I, he was uh, very influential, so I did it. So I stuck and I never went to law school and I'm glad I didn't. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna keep talking with Dan Costello, uh, President and CEO of Home Run Inn here. We're gonna talk more about the actual pizza that they serve here, get into some more details. We're also gonna preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks, so stay with us. How crazy is it to think you can actually have your insurance company pay you to walk? United Healthcare isn't crazy. They just want you to be healthy. One of their programs is called United Healthcare Motion, where members can earn more than a thousand bucks a year toward their health reimbursement account just for walking. If your company works with United Healthcare, ask your friendly HR person about their programs. And if not, go tell them to switch today. Go to uhc.com slash Illinois Motion to get more information. United Healthcare, a proud supporter of the Illinois Restaurant Association and committed to your good health. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're talking with Dan Costello, president and CEO of Home Run In Pizza. Uh, this pizzeria has been around since 1947 here in Chicago. Uh, we're looking at one of their stalwarts here, a thin crust pizza served on a unique dimpled pan, which I've only seen something like this at Pat's, which is, it's a metal pan. This one looks like a different, it took a plastic, but that elevated, that elevates the pizza. That's really important with a pizza like this, yeah? Oh yeah, we got to get a little airflow under there so we get the moisture out, otherwise it just sits in its own 
just gets soggy. I'm surprised more pizzerias don't do this because, like, I, I, Robert's Pizza Company downtown, which is more of an artisan place, they even serve it on a screen. They don't bake it on the screen. They serve it on a screen just to elevate it, to have the airflow underneath. It makes so much sense. Yeah, you just need a little bit. You know, it, and it's just, we always used to serve on wood paddles, which it's a great look. It's a great feel. Um, but we found the dimples know, 10, 15 years ago, and we, we tested it, and we we determined what it did for the pizza and it gets it out, especially when you got a heavy topping pizza and you got tomatoes on it and mushrooms and you start getting water and you know, it, it, this pizza in 10 minutes, once you start pulling the pieces out, it's going to juice out. If you can keep it elevated out of its juice, it's going to be better. It's a better product. Right, tell me about the crust. How do you start with this dough? Can you, what can you tell me? What I could tell you is we still try to follow the way grandpa did it, what he learned in Southern Italy, which I mean, it, I don't think this is a secret. We ferment our dough. We age our dough. Um, so the dough that we use in our restaurants is about 48 hours old. Uh, it's a very simple recipe. There's not a, it's, it's flour, water, salt, yeast, oil. Okay, that's pretty simple. What about sauce? Sauce is uh, tomato puree. We have, we have a good partner in uh, Modesto, California. We use um, Escalon. And we give them our blend and recipe and spice block, and they blend our tomato puree there. They put in number 10 cans for us. It cools down better, maintains higher quality, and they ship it to us here. Your mutts? Uh, whole milk mozzarella cheese. Uh, largest cheese manufacturer, whole milk mozzarella, mozzarella manufacturer in the United States is Leprino. And they have a, the most consistent whole milk mozzarella cheese that we've ever purchased is from these guys. Is that, is that from Wisconsin? No, they actually operate out of Denver. They have multiple factories, but um, the... Well, I always assume a Chicago pizza company is going to have a, a Wisconsin cheese company. We don't. Okay. We're, going, we're ones who don't, but our cheese comes out of Michigan, I believe. They have a manufacturing in Michigan, Denver, Nevada. They're all over the country. Okay. Um, so whole milk mozzarella, and then the toppings. Now, when you asked me just before this break, you know, what, what do you want to get? I said, well, we're in Chicago. I always think sausage jardinier. Um, which, is that a popular order here, or do you guys, in Little Village, do the customers get something different? No, I, I mean, sausages are by far, by far dominates our number one topping out of any of our restaurants. It's so typical in Chicago. People don't realize this. Pepperoni is the most popular topping in America, with the exception of Chicago. I, everybody I talk to, it's like sausage all the way. And, you know, when you start studying our, uh, our frozen sales, because we're in 40 states, I mean, we... Chicago's dominated by sausage pizza sales, but you leave this market, we see what you just described reflected in our frozen pizza sales. Sausage still sells, but then it's dominated by pepperoni and plain cheese. All right, let's talk about this sausage. Um, I'm guessing because you're so big now, you've got to have somebody making it for you. You're not grinding this in-house? We run it in-house. We, we have our manufacturing facility in Woodridge, Illinois, uh, so we commissary all our dough there. We uh, get block cheese in. We grind all our cheese there, and we... Um, uh, we make our sausage there. So f lots of fennel, garlic? Well, no garlic. We have, again, simple recipe, a uh, little bit of salt, pepper, fennel. Fennel's the key. I mean, I, Fennel's the key in Chicago. Yeah, that's the thing. So, you know, East Coast, you get a sausage, it's going to be sliced from a link, uh, and they're like coins, which is so bizarre, and sometimes kind of pre-cooked. And so the great thing about Chicago sausage is that it's put on, pinched and pressed on raw, and then the fat renders into the dough, Yeah. Absolutely, and that's, a, and that's how we still do it in our manufacturing. We put on fresh raw sausage in our manufacturing based on our restaurant knowledge because you capture the flavor profiles. And then Jardinier, again, that's not a, that's not a wacky topping in Chicago. You always offer Jardinier? 
Oh yeah, we have a couple. We have a pizza, the garlic fireball, that's designed with it. We have a couple of pizzas designed with Jardinier. A lot of people outside of Chicago don't even know what it is. They don't. I've seen them on the tours. They look at me like I'm crazy, and I say it's you know it's the condiment for Italian beef sandwiches, but it's so good on pizza. Whether you put it on after the fact, post bake, or you put it on to bake in, like as you've done here, underneath this little blanket of of whole milk mozz, it just it gives us contrast to the rich. Milky mozzarella, that sort of that bite, that acidity, that, um, that pickled uh, chili, that heat. I agree. I mean, I think it's a great, it's a great product. Um, but it is surprising. It's very uniquely Chicago or Midwest. I'm not sure ex- how far it expands in the Midwest, but I was out at East Coast. Uh, we were in D.C. a couple weeks ago. We were talking to some pizza guys, and there is no very limited knowledge of Jardinier once you leave our town. So I'm biting into this now. So nice, crusty handle, which, again, you don't see on a, tip, on a typical tavern style. And I, I hate to keep saying pats, but they've been around since 1950. They go sauce and cheese all the way to the edge. It's thinner than this crust, um, and you don't really have a handle, whereas here at Home Run Inn, you do have a kind of a braided handle in a way, yeah? Yeah, I, I, our history, I think, has been we've always been a little bit slightly of a heavier topped pizza than some of them. And, you know, the idea of this edge is that it keeps it all in as it, you know, keeps all the ingredients contained as we cut and transport. But there's also flavor in this crust because a lot of times the thin tavern, it's really just a vehicle to hold the ingredients and you want to have it covered all the way because it'll burn otherwise. But this actually has some flavor in this crust. Well, it's, a, it's essentially a pie crust. So we use a very low protein flour um, relative to a lot of pizza places, even the tavern places with a little higher content protein. So it's got in the low protein creates almost like a flaky a flaky pie-like texture that is unique to our product. With fat or no fat in there? Just oil. Just oil. I rarely eat frozen pizza. People ask me if you reviewed frozen pizza for the book, and I haven't. I just It's a category I want to stay away from, but you guys have embraced this since decades. You know, when Joe was doing this back in the 80s, he would tell you, you know, you wouldn't design a frozen pizza factory the way we did it, but this is the only way he knew how. He didn't know how else to do it. The success of our frozen is derived from the success of our fresh because the steps that we follow are quite, I mean, they're, they're dead on similar to what we're doing in the restaurants. From aging the dough to how we press it and handle it, obviously we're not doing it, we're not putting it on the hand edge. We do need a machine to do that. But then it's the same, it's the sauce, it's the raw sausage topping, it's the cheese, it's baked, it's par-baked. It's a par-baked pizza. It's just like when p- people come to this restaurant, they can order a par-baked pizza here. We'll cook it about three-quarters of the way. We'll cool it down for you, and you can heat it when you get home. That's what our frozen pizza is. i got to tell you, I was eating this crusty handle while you were just talking now, and it's so remarkable to have something with a little bit of a chew to it in this style of pizza, and it has that, you can taste the fermentation. It's got a little tang to it, which I just don't ever find with a tavern style. It's almost, you're kind of on, that, on the fence between the thin and the tavern, or the, between an artisan and a tavern. So we've probably got a signature crust is what you're telling me. Yeah, a little signature crust for sure. Okay, last question we ask everybody on the show here. Knowing what you know now, and you know so much about pizza, usually I ask somebody who's opened a pizza place and they're maybe five, ten years into it, and they, now they know a lot more. But you've done pizza your whole life pretty much, been around it. What would you tell yourself, I guess, years before you got into this business, maybe before you made the decision to not go to law school and jump into this and and start working for the company, what would you tell your younger self um, to save you some headaches about getting into the pizza business? Wow, that's on the spot, Steve. Um, (laughs) 
I'd have to think. It's a tough show. This is like uh, Mike Wallace. That's a thoughtful question. Um, I want to give you a thoughtful answer. It's only because, you know, a lot of guys, like like here's a typical example, um, Paulie G told me, just do it. Just go for it and do it and don't, you know, don't slow down. Somebody else said, I would do it as a younger man. I wouldn't be on my feet so much in my late 40s because it's a lot of standing on your feet. I think what I would tell myself, and it it might not necessarily be 100% just about the pizza, but what I found in businesses... Uh, in, in our businesses were easy to get distracted on the next shiny object or the next thing versus this pizza that we're sitting in front of is what makes everything go around here. And anything that takes us away from doing this product and doing it better is a distraction at the end of the day that we waste time, energy, and money on. Um, so we've had periods of time in our history that we've, we've tried to make something else, whether it maybe it's a deep dish or maybe even another brand pizza. We've, we've screwed around making other branded pizzas for the frozen segment. And at the end of the day, it's not the home run in pizza. It's not what we do. And every minute that we spent doing these other things, at the end of the day, they've been distractions versus just do what has got us here and do what people love and do what people are rewarding us for. That's great advice. So if somebody wants Home Run In, uh, they come to Chicago. Uh, you said you're in 40 states for Frozen, but if you come to Chicago, you've got, what, four locations? We have actually nine. Nine? Nine. Where have I been? Nine. Come to this one. We just remodeled. It's beautiful. I hope you like it. I mean, It I, is. It's, it's our flagship. This I, is. I do miss the old school yeah. a little bit, but it's, it is a beautiful store. It's 31st and Kedvale? Uh, Kildare. Kildare. It's in the K's. Yeah, we're in the K's. We're in between Pulaski and Cicero. This is our original place. Obviously, and then we're on the southwest side. We're in Beverly. We're out in Darien and Bolingbrook. Um, you can find us in nine different locations. Fantastic. The restaurant guys are Home Run In Pizza. Dan Costello, president and CEO, thank you so much for your time. Steve, this is great. Thanks for coming out. All right. Well, that was really a treat. And uh, honestly, when you're thinking Chicago pizza, I kind of want you to think about Home Run In as well as the Lou Malnati's and the Uno's that you always hear about. But Home Run In is really a Chicago icon in terms of pizza. Okay, coming up in two weeks, a trip to San Francisco where I sit down with one of the pizza industry's giants. And those experiences in life, for me, before the Google It and, and, and the YouTube were, you had to go to Detroit and try Buddies. You had to go to St. Louis and see what Emo's was really all about. You gotta go to Sally's and Frank Pepe and. And then those were the trips that I took, and I wanted to bring it in front of you and say, this is it, you grew up there, I'll try this, what do you think? And, but you're like, this is damn good, and you're happy about it. Tony Gemignani, world pizza champion and purveyor of more styles of pizza than anyone on the planet, all done to exacting standards, sits down and shares his story over a couple of pies from his two North Beach locations. That's in two weeks on March 27th. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and rate us, please. I would love to know what you like or hate about the show. We're at Pizza City USA on Instagram and more information about the book and our weekly tours. Visit us at PizzaCityUSA.com. I am on all social media, by the way, at Steve Dolinsky with a Y. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song. And just a reminder, if you're coming to Chicago this summer, our walking tours restart in May. Thanks for listening, everybody, and here is wishing you an optimal bite ratio always.